Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Coming to you from one of the crummiest motels I've ever uh, had the privilege to stay at. Uh, it's 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 a wonder. <laughs> uh, I have checked the sheets and corners of the mattress for bed bugs just to make sure at least I'm not going to take anything away uh, besides the memory and a few photos for sure. Uh, there is uh, a lot of filth here, I'm not going to lie, uh, but it is a roof above my head, so it beats sleeping in the car, I suppose. But I'm in route back to Mighty Sparrow after a wonderful round of talks in New Jersey. Big shout out to uh, Atlantic Islands and Seaside Park. Thank you so, so much for hosting me. Those were really, really fun events. And uh, I can't uh, ask for a better group of people to share some experiences with. Not only mine, but theirs as well over a couple of beers afterwards. And uh, yeah, so big, big shout out. And uh, shout out to John for housing me and setting me up. Uh, I actually had him on the show, but tonight... We're sitting down with my cousin, Bill, who um, has been in the industry for quite some time, but uh, his beginnings really started with kite surfing in the early, early days of that. And uh, on the East Coast, we talk about that, but also working on some uh, some yachts and then uh, getting into the uh, yachting industry via doing you know, shipwright sort of stuff and odd projects and all that. And we just sort of get into it. We talk about a lot of stuff. It was uh, a lot of fun. Bill uh, set me up uh, once again, another sort of supporter of what I'm trying to do here by uh, getting me out of a motel for a few nights and letting me stay at his place, which was just fantastic. Um, it's always good to hang out with some family and reconnect with everything. And uh, yeah, Bill and I went and sat in his his man cave, aka his garage, and just sort of talked and got into some of his history and his experiences in the industry. And uh, we sort of just bat it back and forth. So hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation with my cousin Bill. But before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to help support not only this show, but uh, if you enjoy the content and uh, you listen frequently, hey, maybe uh, throw us an old bone here and there. You know, it helps out. Uh, and it also is definitely going to be the path forward for getting Mighty Sparrow back out on the ocean because right now she's landlocked and she's going to stay that way until I can figure out uh, a way to come up with all the quiche to uh, get new sails and uh, a bunch of other stuff for the boat. So big, big shout out to everybody who has stayed on and uh, continued to support this show through Patreon. So if you want to join that group, that family, then uh, follow the link to the Patreon page. It's in the description. Uh, we also have the merch, obviously, shirts, hoodies, all that sort of stuff. I'm wearing one right now. It's very uh, subtle. It's not uh, flashy by any means, but uh, it is pretty darn cool. And the fit is really nice. Follow the link in the description for that as well. But if you just want to reach out to the show, you got a question, comment, uh, any of that sort of stuff, 
then, uh, hey, I love hearing from it. So head over to sailingintooblivion.com, uh, follow the podcast button to uh, contact the show. Those go directly to me. I read them and I will uh, do whatever I can to, I don't know, answer whatever questions uh, either in the podcast or uh, via an email right back to you. So other than that, do I always, uh, every once in a while, I like to shout out sailjunkie.com. Check it out. If you've got uh, any cool stories and you like to do a little writing, uh, you can submit your stuff to them. It's a nice little uh, webpage and it's cool, man. It's uh, for sailors by sailors. So can't ask for more on that. But uh, without further ado, uh, my conversation with my cousin Bill. Thanks for listening. All right, I am recording. You go ahead, keep doing what you're doing. Welcome to the show. I got my Thank you. my older, wiser, better looking cousin, William. I'm not going to use last names because that way we can keep you on the DL. I appreciate that. Yeah, ain't no worries. Thanks for inviting me into your, your man garage. Huh. Very much like a man cave. It is, but it's very garage-ish. Very garage-ish, but it's, also, yeah. you know, in that same cousin billy atmosphere of neatness there's method to this chaos there, there always is. has been there is. there is there is there is but it's you know there's a lot of man caves out there that are uh, more cave like um there's some in other neighbors you'll see flat screen tvs and couches and you know no this real is, is more functional here right. this right. is this is projects just, are happening uh, things are going on this isn't a lounge this is a workshop it's a it's a mixture folks of Essentially, kite surfing equipment van that is on a gimbal, which I can't wait to tell you about. Um, yeah, tools galore, everything. It's absolutely, it's beautiful. It hasn't changed much since the last time I was here. And uh, yeah, there's there's everything from dirt boards to old kites to solar panels. It's a mod podge. It's like kind of a heavenly place. Even even old 1980s remote control cars. I mean, talk about. Uh, Almost museum esque. It know? is getting to museum esque because when you get to our age, yeah, I mean stuff stuff is starting to become uh, antiquities. <laughs> yeah, like a CD collection. Yeah, yeah, right. You still got all your Grateful Dead? Oh yeah, you know. I ended up throwing out all the bootleg tapes at one point because you think, oh, I'm gonna go to disc. I'm gonna go to you know. I'm gonna go to CDs and then, you know, bring that mic. Then, like, then you have CDs. Away. You, you, you can CDs. move it to you so that you can get comfortable. Find your happy place oh, yeah. and then bring it in. That's the secret. So, and now it's just everything's on your phone. Yeah, I know. I know it's true. I used to love peeling through. I was I was down in the basement today and uh, you know surfing through all your stuff as one does, oh, shuffling, these, ruggling. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I saw the ten disc Led Zeppelin CD set. Ooh, that's a good. One. I have that at home. That's old. That's a really nice one. I love how that thing was produced. Right. Nice little paper. It was back when it was good. I mean, I, 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 I've always been collecting stuff. So, you know, the secondhand stores to get all the records back in the day when they were like $1.98 for a record. Oh, yeah. Because they were used pieces of, you know, nobody wanted. Everyone was like, we're going pieces to Pieces of vinyl. Pieces of vinyl. And now, <laughs> now, like, vinyl's like way up, and that's awesome. But I haven't bought any new vinyl. I, the only time I ever buy any of that is uh, secondhand shops. You know, it's like a dollar. Right. And, and usually it's, I don't know, I wouldn't call what we have a collection uh of any i don't know we're not we're not just trying to find like certain stuff but if we ever find it you know i find a lot of uh, mighty sparrow the calypso singer the, the namesake exactly of is. my boat yeah and i came across him a while ago and i 
He's was good. wondering if that's where it came from. Well, kind of half and half, but yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, his music was a huge bridge between me and the people down in the Virgin Islands. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you play that music, you listen to it, and the old timers enjoy that as well down there. And then the old timers like you, the young guys start too. Right. And then all of a sudden you're getting invited to family gatherings and all sorts of stuff That's on nice. VG. That was a lot of, a lot of fun. Harry Belafonte died this year. Oh, did he? I did not know, know that. that. No. He's a big Calypso guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't from there. He's like from Where New York. Where was he from? Like, like New Barbados? York or or? No, like New York or something. No, really? I think so. Oh man, I have to look that Pretty one. Sure. Yeah, please do. Well, and he. Well, I'm, not, you know, I'm not 100 factual on everything, but I'm pretty. I was surprised because I do like Airbel. You know, growing up. With oh my yeah. Mom, my well, mom. he was. He was the. He was the breakthrough in the right, states. But he know? was not. He was. He's not of the descent you think he is. No, 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 no. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, and that that was one of the things they always you know say. Well, Calypso singer. People be like what? Say, well, you know Harry Belafonte. And right. say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, Mighty Sparrow was like the. The guy, the king down Cause he's, in the Caribbean. He's the real deal down there. Oh, yeah, 100%, right. man. Right. His stuff. I mean, he was getting banned off the radio back in the 60s. Because <laughs> all that Calypso, is it's very sexual in nature. Right. Uh, those lyrics are usually pretty pretty well-defined code. That and politics. They use Calypso to this day to right. uh, call out politicians and all that sort of stuff. And Dominica, that's a huge thing. Huge. Talking all about the current situation and what's wrong with right. it and all the this, that, and the other thing. Hmm. Well, it is kind of fun just to be in these uh, man cave rooms, man. They're, I always find them they're just fun to kind of look around. It's like a uh, Snitzer Jacks. <laughs> Snitzer Jacks? What's that? <laughs> or uh, Shenanigans. Shenanigans, uh, Shenanigans yes. from Super Troopers. Have you yeah. ever saw that? Great movie. <laughs> say uh, it again. Say it again. Say it again. Um so yeah, you know, I've always been a collector of putting. Th- and then you know, inside the house, we don't do this as much. Jen has, uh, you know, yeah, quelled my, quelled my knickknack, uh, patty whack, put stuff everywhere kind of feeling. And you get so a little bit of it in the basement, basement though, a little, little bit, a little, little bit, bit in my office area. But up here, it's like you know, free for all. Yeah. Well, you got to have your own little, your own space. I've always know? been like that though. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 for sure. You know, yeah, I haven't changed much. Well, it's very similar. Our, our basement at home. My family's place, mm. you know, very, very similar. Modge Podge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the, the historical record, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But there is something. I, think well, I built this. We built this garage. So, like, it was a carport before. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a carport. Oh, then, you know what? I literally cut to, yeah. the, I, I, took a, I took a saw and literally cut the roof line. And then my friend and I attached the Jeep to the corner post and we pulled it off. Oh, wow. Yeah, we pulled off the carport, and then I had a builder come in, and he did most of it, and I did some other parts of it just to save some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. But he screwed up. The garage is, like, two inches taller than the house. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I came home one day, and he had framed it all up, and I see the roof, and I'm like, what's, what's going on here, man? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of money off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he started to reduce. He's like, "Well, we can rip it off. We could, we could frame your other, your other roof uh, on your other house higher. Put a second roof. Put, on we'll top. basically put two by fours, run the whole length of it. We'll just raise it. I'm like, oh man. I was like, just walk away, dude. Just walk away. Yeah, just walk away. Uh, well, so, hey, you know. But man, you know, I got a eight foot tall garage doors. That's a good thing. You can get in. You know, it's taller than most garage doors in a residential area. So 
Oh yeah, and then my true, house, true. most 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 neighborhood. Most, I guess the climate has changed in Maryland. You know, there's a, or at least this neighborhood. There's not a lot of garages in the neighborhood. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, because you, I mean, you guys get snow, but not much, barely any, right? Every once in a while. I mean, there's a year we got like 16 inches back to back when I was in the Bahamas and teaching kiteboarding and Jen was here with the two kids. Oh, really? And her mom. In the blizzard? In the Ooh. blizzard. Literally 30, 30 some inches. Well, I remember yeah. I was here many, many years ago and I was going to do a talk at a school in Bethesda and it snowed <laughs> an inch and everything shut down. School yeah. got canceled. I was like, "What? That nah, doesn't happen where you're from." No, 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 no. You need. I'm. We're we're too close to the snow belt up there. You know, there's this interesting little phenomenon just south of us, kind of around Charlevoix and not quite all the way to Traverse City. It's the snow belt. So in Petoskey, if you had 10 inches of snow, the snow belt got 20 to 25. Because that's where all the snowmobiling places are. We drive. A little further down towards there. To yeah, get yeah Elmira and all right. those little places. Yeah, yeah. They do the pub crawls. Even though you're all not supposed to. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the trails connect to all the bars. Oh, yeah. We stopped at one of those. That was fun. But you got to, you know, it's one of those things. You have to, you have to come up with activities, uh, social activities in the winter up there, or else you're just going to react. That was the best part about winters in, in, in northern Michigan was we'd go snowboarding, we'd go snowmobiling, we'd... Just hike around, go out on the lake. It was fun. That was the best part. I either want snow or I want summer. Or I want summer. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. middle of the road stuff that we get like is terrible. Like, you know, bring, not, bring not, not, not really closer. anything that you there want. You not really anything you want to do and you know, just wet, damp kind of coldness. No well, problem. yeah, and that I think that's inside with a good book. That, hey, a, a roaring fire in a good book is not a bad way. That's right. You know. I've always one of my favorite seasons, believe it or not, is fall. I love oh. the trees and yes. the leaves falling and just that crispness that you've sort of been waiting for all yeah. season. That, to me, you get to throw on. I don't even know what this would be called. Not sweater. a sweater. It's a sweater. Not a sweatshirt. V-neck sweater. It's a cardigan, maybe? I no. Don't know. no, cardigans are no, up or zipped up. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's a V-neck sweater. Zip V-neck. It's made out of cashmere. Ah, uh, the cash. Yeah. My sister picked it out for me. That's nice. Good old Ina. Shout out Ina, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. She's been on. She regaled us with her stories of becoming an American citizen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which episode it is. There's too many to list now. Now look. that we're past episode 200, it's sort of like Holy cow. it's all a fog. Yeah, and I've still never listened to an entire podcast. I know, I know, but I mean, that's okay. But now this might this is going to spur me to do it. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can recommend a couple a couple highlight ones, I guess, but. Uh, you know, if you're looking for funny, definitely Heath Murph and Jerome overserved. That one's pretty good. Oh my god! Yeah, that was up in Maine. There's a lot of foul language in that one, but uh, it's well worth the listen. Well worth the listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's all good. That's all good. Uh, now uh, to go back into the way way back machine. You remember those uh, those old ski trip weekends up in Michigan? Oh yeah. Used to come up. Oh yeah, I feel bad uh, a little bit. Why? No, that was fun. Oh, oh, oh I know it was fun. Out, man. Oh my gosh, it was I was so like fun. 12, 13 years old. I know, but you know, you I were in like high school. Bad influence. Mm. No way, man. I felt like one of the gang. You were, and it, it, it got me it. out night skiing without like my parents being involved, which was awesome. Oh my gosh, yeah, dude. No, it was super fun. Those were man. fun. Those I were still, fun. still, that is one of my go-to activities up in Michigan right. during the winter. Oh my god, get out there. I mean, it's only three hours or something like that, right. and they've changed the timing, and it's just crazy expensive now. Yeah, just the whole that. skiing and snowboarding thing is so expensive. I know. I don't. I don't understand. You know, would they increase how much a power costs run those things? I don't know. 
just think it, there's it, I, I don't want to start a you know debate if there would be one, but I th- I believe in climate change and I think it's affected our weather pattern. <laughs> we might not be getting as much snow well, on the regular like we used to. Didn't they didn't they just get a ton of snow though out in uh, they did out west this last year, though, man? You and know. now all the reservoirs are full again or something. I know it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, you know, the one thing you, you that, that you can't run away from, that you don't have to debate, that there's really no, like, if, if that whole climate change thing was uh, framed in a different way as right. far as, like, you know, we should stop, stop polluting our environment. It's mm-hmm. not like anybody can be like, no, we should <laughs> continue because it's totally fine to pump poison into our air. If people framed it like that, then, eh, you know. Everybody be on the same page at least. Uh, you would think so. You'd think so, but they're not. Because some people take your approach. I think that <sighs> Greta Van, uh, that young girl over, uh, what is it? Greta Thunberg. Thunberg. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Right. So she's, yeah, she's kind of she kind of puts it pretty bluntly. <laughs> she puts it real bluntly. That's <laughs> for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, really bother the. Uh, I think the. I think the biggest bellwether sign right now is the bleaching of the coral. I mean, you can't have. I mean, if you ever had a fish tank. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Make every politician have a own terrarium in their office. <laughs> and let's see how well, the terrarium's who, who burning. Alive. Exactly right. I'd have a terrarium as a kid. I had to make one. I had a you know a summer uh, uh, a summer uh, tutor, and we took a giant mayonnaise jar, and you know you build everything in it, and you close it off at the top, and everything's living and happily and harmonily and everything. And our dad has a fish tank and has to keep the water perfect temperature, yeah, yeah, or yeah. everything dies. Well, yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> Come on, people. True. How long is it? He's had that tank for what? Oh my gosh, that started when 40 I brought years home. Tur- I brought home two hermit crabs from like a, and they told me I wasn't allowed to. I brought two hermit crabs home, and that was a ten-gallon tank in my room, and he ended up starting to take care of it. And coming into my room, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After the hermit crabs died, that I smuggled back from St. Petersburg, and then, um, and then, yeah, he got a bigger one that was in the living room that was like forty gallon, and now the, this one's like I don't know, like 59, 60 gallon. I mean, it's like five feet long and two feet deep. And but the best thing about this one, besides just cleaning the inside of it, like all the filtration system and everything's down in the basement, and it's like a, I mean, he has it's to like keep proper. it proper. Yeah, it's proper. Yeah, that's really good. Do they have actual live coral growing in there? Yeah, he has live coral. Because yeah. it's been in there for so long. He has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've bought stuff that, you know, all of a sudden you animals appear out of it that you don't even know you get when you buy coral. So oh, like some cool right, stuff right, all right. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sweet. I He's always, got a lot of po- a large population right now of, I think, uh, um, of those uh, clownfish. But he's got some fish that yeah. I think are like 8, 12, 12 years old. The, the clownfish were so happy they had babies. Yeah, so they yeah, were there. Yeah, they right. were so long in there. I always those remember, are adorable, let me tell did, you. And you guys have... Um, those banded shrimp too. Oh, uh, coral banded, stripe. yeah, coral yeah, banded shrimp. Yeah, yeah. I remember them. Cleaner he'd, shrimp, yeah. He'd have all sorts of stuff. Pretty neat sea slugs. Um, you know, he's a winemaker. He's a hobbyist. He's probably where I get this. The what I, you know, what I do. You know, my my passion of the tinkering. Yeah, the tinkering. Yes. I much prefer sit at a workbench and screw around with something all day with some music playing than sit and watch a sports team that right, literally right. i know nothing about any sport so i'm awkward <laughs> in social situations it's terrible yeah i don't play golf people look at me i don't play golf Funny. i don't like literally don't know any somebody told me their name and I, I was like oh your name and they repronounced it and i was like oh they're like like the basketball player and i was like hmm. i remember michael jordan larry bird oh um, yeah how far I, the, yeah, yeah I know well from indiana stuff. you gotta know larry bird of course but you know i'm just saying national. i just it's yeah, it's not an interest that i have so I'd rather talk about kite surfing or 
cars or, or fixing something like something you fixed or something you've done that sounds more interesting to me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's more like or something or a real conversation you know just you know like if I get together with my my good friends and you know we you know, we talk about how we're feeling and getting older and yeah you know, you yeah, know yeah. that that whiny stuff the realities the of reality life. of life yeah there's nothing wrong with that you know, you gotta... so, but you know that's safer that's that's a that's a different conversation um, well on you know. that on that subject uh, I mean you essentially were into kiting before kiting was kiting I would say I was into kites and that's like. 90 the you know, 90s yeah yeah 90s. Stunt we into kites the stunt kites yeah, and, yeah, and patrick yeah. had a stuntosaurus i think he got from the sharper image in the mall and so that was the a, catalog that was a, yeah wow. but there was a store Pretty also Amazon. at keystone yeah. crossing mm-hmm. and so uh so he had a skyosaurus i remember being in uh fort DeSoto because uh, we'd go to st pete and standing in waist deep water when i was a kid and flying it and crashing the delta and being able to relaunch it off the water and just in waist deep water. Oh really? Oh yeah. When I was like probably when we had the sky soar. So that's way way young. Now was that was that a uh, a rigid kite or was yeah two wing delta? Air? No oh, two wing okay, delta. Okay. Right. And then we started to get those flexi foil stackers. Yeah. And they're like they're like six or eight meters. Or, no six or eight feet. I mean they did some sort of metric thing, but six or eight feet long basically in a. F- foot deep foot and a half deep and those were ram air kites with a single spar in them two line with wrist straps and so that's like late 90s and and then you know we're meeting up with my friend in philadelphia just to fly, fly kites people thought we were weird but you know if it was blowing 15 to 20 we're going to like football fields and trying to do like pendulum jumps with them and do stupid yeah, stuff you like get that. Yeah, dragged around, get with drug those. around a lot. I mean, we have pictures of doing like full railies. Um, you know, like you're four feet off the ground and you're like your legs are above your head. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. Kicked back and you're like, yeah. So those look are look at me with yeah, my look kite. Yeah, look at me with my kite. And yeah, you know, it's just like, and then you get slammed around into stuff. So that was cool. And then like I was in St. Petersburg on vacation. Must have been like ninety nine or two thousand. Maybe 2000. Yeah, probably 2000. And then uh, 99 or 2000. Mm-hmm. And then we, some guy on a Cabrina kite, just like, I see him. I'm like, what the heck? And we've been flying our kites because it was a windy day. Yeah. Cruise down the beach. And I'm like, oh my God. What He's is, on a board. What, what is this? I never even thought about this. I didn't, right. I thought I invented this. <laughs> you know, because we, right, right. And so, uh, um, yeah, I had no clue. Because there was no internet. I mean, you had no. I mean, there was internet, but there wasn't. No, there wasn't. There was no internet. There's so no there internet. was no social media. There was no way to tell you what you know that that kite surfing was around. And so um, I talked to him for a minute. I was like, "Hey, can I get your water?" I mean, I was like, "This yeah, is amazing." Right. He's like, "Ah, oh, you bad to pack up." He's like, "I got to get to work." And he just did a downward down the beach, and I didn't see him again. And then um, we continued flying kites and screwing around, starting to get pulled on land on certain ob- with certain like boards or something like that, just messing around. Uh, but like consistently got together about it. Yeah, my yeah, friend yeah. John and I up in Philly, and Patrick when he was around, um, we would get together and fly kites. It was so weird. And uh, but they were all those Ram air types. And then um, uh, we went to a family vacation, and Sven worked for North. And he's like, I was telling him about my passion for kites. I even brought my kites with me, remember? And we're out in the surf. We're surfing with them in the yeah, surf right yeah, in front yeah. of Rio Del Mar. We're diving in these uh, flexi-foil kites. I got pictures of uh, that cute girl. Yes, yes. And so, uh, yeah, that was like, it's like I was in the surf with it. We were getting yanked around and playing in the surf with it. And then I'm sitting down and Sven's like, I can get you one of those at employee discount. I can get you a kite. I was like, oh, a North kite. A North kite. And, uh, and stuff was, I mean, we had already kind of looked at magazines. There was a kiteboarding magazine. Yeah. And I think there was like Kite World from Europe. So that's how I was like, I was going down to Barnes and Noble to get a magazine, right? Yeah. And so I wasn't there at the birth of kiteboarding, 
but I was like that next graduating class. Like I was, when it came to the East coast here, there was like Neil Hutchinson, there was Dave Loop, mm -hmm. there was a uh, Sleazy J, there was a uh, um, Hamish McDonald, and they would be down at Dewey Beach. And that was that was the birth of kiteboarding, I have to admit, for this mid-Atlantic area. But yeah. that was all that was all Delaware. Um, and so Sven got us the kite. He did. He, he came through on his offer. I was I got a kite for like half price because the entry level of the sport at that time, it was like it was still like. It's kind of like what it is now. It's like two grand for a kite. Something like that. And there yeah. was no used market. There was no, like, a lot of people to choose from. Um, there was North and Cabrina. Um, slingshot. Slingshot 99. Slingshot's 99. That's when they, the Slingshot's That's when 99. They first, okay. Yeah. Um, and they had been doing wakeboarding before then, I think, like, 97 or something. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. But um, so there was just those few handful of, of companies, right? And uh, maybe Ocean Rodeo. That was Canadian. But so brands, there were brands, you know, that was happening and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, out in Delaware, they were starting to, you, you would hear about them at Dewey Beach. John and I got kites. We would just show up and start practicing. We got a video, a VHS tape yeah. of, of how to, how uh, to, how to kite surf. How to kill yourself. No, not really. How to, really, it was how to convert your two-line kite because the real pioneers had started with inflated, they had inflated leading edges, but there was no depower. It was just two lines mm. on two wingtips and no way to depower the kite. And that was happening uh, out in Hawaii yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, you know, the people Laird, we saw in the magazine. No, stuff. even before Laird, it would have been like, uh, I think Robbie, Robbie Nash. And then, um, um, there's a guy named Top Hat out there. There was a, it literally wore a freaking Top Hat and it had a huge beard. Um, there were all these kite mares that were going on. So there was just like this little culture like very far away yeah but we were getting glimpses of it through a magazine here and then john bought the board uh -huh. uh, lightweight uh, uh, liquid force liquid force twin like pickle fork it had two daggers on the end at one point it hit john in the head and he like had a flap of skin like he, every time john would go out he'd somehow get a little hurt and anyway so, so we'd just run down to dewey beach and meet up like him from philly and me to there him of the board me and the kite meet up and try to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And we did that, and we hit our heads on that for like a year and a half. And then we started to get it a little bit. It started to work out. We started to like go upwind. A smaller board helped. Um, we yeah, started with yeah, a 12 right. meter kite that was that was a, it was like Norse first four line kite maybe. It was the the Toro. They had a Rhino and a Toro. I remember the Toro. Right, yes, so I had yes. the Toro right, and I ended up getting a 12, uh, an 18. I think at one point Sven got me. And then um, Jeez, I had a, a nine. Oh yeah, the eighteen was ridiculous. Dude. Yeah. And there's a horror, horror story about that. Horror story about that, of course. Um, but anyway, what happened? So, well, you can't. Well, just what, well, just on a. I really, I drove my Volkswagen Beetle up to Petoskey one time and took all my kite gear uh -huh. and had it strapped to. I just finished restoring the Volkswagen Bug and had a vintage roof rack. Well, that vintage roof rack just uh, at like two thirty in the morning, <laughs> up in the middle of Michigan, just vibrated. And Patrick was like, "Did you hear something?" And I was like. Oh. He's like, I think the roof rack just came off the, the, the bug. Oh, and no. somebody behind me swerved. I think I remember and a that. semi basically hit all my kite gear yeah. and came to a screeching stop. Sparks flying. I had to go over there. He had to back off my shit. Uh, I left the bug running because yeah. I was scared it wasn't going to restart because we'd have to push start it the whole time because the starter was getting too hot. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he's up, so we just had to. Be, uh, anyway, so um, pull over. Patrick runs back, finds a 10 that had flown off a little bit earlier. The girl that swerved was fine, so she just left. The tractor trailer backed off. He was fine. We took everything. We cut everything up, took some pictures uh -huh. through the wakeboard and the other kiteboard <laughs> into, the, into the bush, basically, because uh -huh. it was all splintered up and messed up. And um, 
the climbing ropes that we had used to tie the board on, literally you could see how they were pulled through the board like halfway. Oh, really? Like, oh, with wow. that much force from that yeah, semi Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I get to Petoskey, I climb into bed with Jen, and I'm like, uh, all the kites got run over by a semi. And this is like five in the morning. Like, Patrick and I drove all night and got yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, And I was like, the kites. And she's like, what? Are you kidding me? I was like, no. And I called State Farm the next day, and they basically ins- they covered it all under insurance. Mm. <laughs> Can you believe my homeowner's policy? Nice. My homeowner's policy. And so I did get all my kite gear back. When I was up there, I was up there like duct tape, taping everything. And I, I did see, get a session. That I, I did get a session. Remember. I, I did I get remember a session. you having. And like, I called you guys to ask you if you had a board, an old wakeboard or something. And you did. You had some like shitty old O'Brien board or yeah, something. I yeah, came yeah. and grabbed it. And so I was able to use that board, a kite. And I did get the kite while in Lake back, like way back then. Oh, uh-huh. I, and that's awesome. not, it's not a great lake. It's not a great lake to kite. I've done I, it I a couple of times. getting out there, I think, two or three times, not at Gam's house, but over at the uh, the other house, the one across uh, the zoo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. so. yeah, had to be in the West Arm because that was the only yeah. place you got some clean wind. But yeah. not right a lot of room right for the error. narrows. Right before the narrows. Yeah. I kited through the narrows and then right, all the way right. to Gam's. I've kited all the way through the narrows and then all the way down past Michigany all the way into that far corner and dad had to come pick me up at a boat. Yeah, well, that and that's the thing. I mean, it gets so gusty and so fluky around all those bends that, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a yeah, not a great spot. The the bay, though, is fantastic. I've actually windsurfed out there behind the break wall. Which one? Way back in the in Petoskey. Oh, nice. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. That, you get some great... I would love to do that. It's uh, Besides it being cold water, it's, I mean, you get a nice northwesterly, which are typically pretty strong. Right. You've got clean, perfect wind, and yeah. you've got a lee shore, but you start over there by the break wall, and you can just go all the way to Harbor Springs if you want. Three, That's awesome. Three miles, five miles, something like that. Mm. That'd so, be good. But. So, anyway, so, what I, so, so I would say, back to like the birth of Kyburn. So it, the birth was actually, you know, you know Pre, it's Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, Hawaii, but the guys that brought it to our area, you know, that's that's Dave Loop out. He had air, uh, he had a... Uh, H two Air. That was his. That was his. His company. His company. Yeah, it had a huge RV with a big H two Air logo on it, and he would pull up to Dewey, and you know there was it seemed to be like a crew of guys that kind of knew a little more what they were doing. So I would say like those. That was class. The first class, and yeah. then like I learned under like them watching them, and I went down to real kiteboarding in um, in the Outer Banks, uh-huh. and literally we. That's when all they had was like a small storefront, and you could rent. Um, you know, you saw my shed out back, that 10 by 10 shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had one of those, a red one, that just with some bunks. Oh, and really? Get, yeah, and so I took a lesson from Matt Nuzio. Yeah, after I had, like, done a couple of years by myself, but, like, I didn't feel like I was staying up wind. I wanted to learn to jump, that type of thing. Yeah. And I went out with him and, uh, you know, came, went down there because my friend would do a windsurfing trip, kiting trip every, you know, every fall and spring we go down to Hatteras to just uh-huh. try to keep getting better and stuff. Yeah. And besides going here and uh, – and down at Dewey Beach and uh, down at Assateague and just da- anything east. I mean, we got two and a half hours from here. You got a huge coastline to play on for huge. kiting. And yeah, baysides, yeah. and baysides, which are awesome if you like flat water. Um, so that's, uh, so that's. Um, <clears throat> well, you said Hamish McDonald too, right? You know that name? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know he, Hamish? He was partners with my buddy Scott, who ran or owns uh, Carib Kiteboarding down in the BVI. Okay. They, they brought kiting to the BVI. And then Scott stayed, and I think I Hamish went and Scott. did. Yeah, right. Scott Allerton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll have him on the show one day. I think he's down in Florida right now. They all leave the BVI during the hurricane season. Of course. Right, after right. after Hurricane Irma, it was sort of like. Yeah. 
No, no point. He was in that. He was at the bitter end when that uh, destroyed it around him. Oh. That would have been scary. Right. 200 knot wins. Yikes. So as the next graduating class, it was like, it wasn't until 2000 and like, because I, I was, it wasn't until 2006 I was like, I'm going to, I see this as a business opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like this. I always went on when I was a kid. I wanted to own a dive shop someplace. I was big into scuba diving and I would be diving with my dad. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, that'd be my dream job. So I was like, I'm, you know, I, I have that entrepreneurial spirit. So I was like, I'm going to, um, my goal is I'm going to have a kiteboarding school. Just like Dave loops down and doing it in Dewey Beach. Why not? But I'm closer than Dave is. And I'm on the Chesapeake Bay. And most of the people are coming from D.C. We have a huge international population that that's it. I mean, those people are more into water sports than the Americans are. I mean, I just I would think that's what I think. That's my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so that having that international group coming in there, we had all these guys coming out with, you know, looking for kite surfing lessons. And they call it kite surfing. We call it kiteboarding, uh, but kite surfing lessons. And so if I could cut Dave off basically at the bay. <laughs> or teach for him, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I did, and so that he, I have a great relationship with him. So we, I went out and talked with him, and um, he was willing to give me any lessons I want. He got me any gear. He hooked me up with slingshot. He hooked me up with uh, uh, Dekine. Um, like so, I was able to immediately call those companies after I got my kiteboarding certification. I went down to um, that was two thousand and six. Yeah. So I felt in two thousand and six I'll become an instructor, and then um, by two thousand and eight, that's when I opened Osprey Kite Sports. And all that basically that was me teaching. I got my captain's license. I got my um, IK. I got my excuse me my PASA instructor certification. Um, and then so I, and then I got insurance. And, that, yeah. and then I ended up getting IKO a couple of years later. But my whole idea was I you know I wanted to be the person to offer that um, on the Chesapeake Bay, and and I did it for eight years. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a tough business. Basically, it's a tough business with the wind. You know, with wind, it just it is what you're, it is. Yeah, you're sort of counting on Mother yeah. Nature. I mean, that, even the BBI. I worked it hard, man. I worked it hard. I mean, it was it was tow behind a boat if you didn't have board skills because no one had board skills that were coming to me. Yeah, they yeah, maybe yeah. have flown a kite or they could go practice kiting on their. Well, they flying. hadn't wakeboarded at all or anything. Oh, if yeah. they've wakeboarded, it was so very any, easy. Yeah, they just had gotten up on a wakeboard. Yeah, they didn't really yeah, know yeah. how to wakeboard. They got up well, on a wakeboard. But just but knowing any, that that feel and everything. Oh, hundred percent. Fifty percent already 100%. ahead, yeah. and why why waste a hundred dollars an hour on a kite lesson just to learn to get up on a board? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I was like, that's why I was teaching. Anytime there was no wind, I was trying to tow people behind the boat, um, and then you know you had the class instruction stuff, and then of course you had you had to have that wind time, and that had to be ten to fifteen gusts to twenty. And yeah. That means you're a slave to. Every morning and every evening at seven o'clock, checking the forecast for the following day, oh, yeah. then calling totally. those clients that you have on a list that I only, I always took deposits uh-huh. because you know you you, you have to you, man. you got to I can't have a day where it's perfect and not have lessons lined up, um, and you call me up and say I can't make it and yeah. I can't tell you there was a couple times where people lost deposits or people were like yeah I gotta I gotta call into work and tell them I'm definitely not coming into work because this is my only <laughs> opportunity to learn how to kite surf and it was awesome but it's uh and, and and literally it was we're either gonna be able to uh have lessons uh, I had a shop for a little while over in Queenstown Maryland um, that I shared with a kayaker guy and uh um so it was either you're gonna learn here or Queenstown or Astique or Dewey Beach literally you have to be willing to drive yeah, after I call you at 7 o'clock in the morning and saying it's on to get to a lesson by 10 o'clock totally doable either here or down at the beach you have your three hour lesson and you go home right and, yeah. and I, I worked that for eight years man and then I was in an auto accident and I didn't you know it knocks you out for a year of not being able to do it you lose momentum oh really yeah I rolled my van oh uh, I didn't realize that knocked you out for a year yeah though. yeah yeah. I couldn't like 
look up very well. <laughs> oh, was it like yeah. neck and back injury? Yeah, like soft tough, like soft stuff. It would have been better if I broke a bone, but it was like, you know, getting slammed over and rolled in a van. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just knocked me out. Just, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that. so, you know, also, you know, I ran trips to the Bahamas. That's the other thing. So when I, as you said, Hamish went down and started Carib kiteboarding. Yeah. Uh, so I started Osprey in 2008. Gary, I think, started uh, Exuma kite surfing. Um, like like six months later, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then he would be down in the Bahamas. He would come up and help teach for me in the summertime when it was crappy down there. Um, I had permits to teach at uh, the National Seashore, Aztec National Seashore. Um, so I was trying to do it like all like you have completely to, like, work legit. Every and, angle yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just got a little tiring um, for not a huge reward in the sense of you know if I could have taught every day or had a staff of people. I mean, there only can be one real kiteboarding in North Carolina. If you've ever seen that place, it's insane. Is it huge? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. It's well, I, do it's you amazing. ever make it down to any of the destinations, like down in the Dominican Republic or anything? No. I would. I did, um, let's see, Exuma and stuff going north. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, typically, I mean, down there, at least you're you're in the trade wind Right. Belt. This is, yeah. Exuma's just gets tickled by trade winds. They have better winds than, like, if you were to Oh, in the, in the BVI up. and stuff. But that, BVI. That is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But even there, you'd still, you know, you'd get adverse conditions, and then you couldn't teach. Right. It'd either be too much wind, or, you know, you'd get a lull or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a tough business to sort of keep going, unless you have yourself attached on to something like a big resort or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know, I had a family, so I, I couldn't I couldn't do that, really. So I think if I if I, I didn't have a family, maybe, like Gary, I'd probably be, I would have probably been in Exuma with him. I mean, right, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, why, right. why not? Just we like, built uh, yeah, yeah, why not? Why am I doing it up here? There. Right, exactly. But I did, so what I did was, you know, it's like, what can I do to follow my goal and my dreams and my my uh, for me it's always been i did 10 years as a financial advisor and i didn't really care for it very much mm. um it taught me a lot it's really helped me out yeah but and i'm glad i experienced it but um it's kind of like plumbing for me <laughs> taught me a lot <laughs> glad i experienced it but <laughs> right. it wasn't for me right and you'll do your own yeah <laughs> right yeah and right. you'll take care of your own <laughs> right but you're not gonna right that's not something you want to do every day and so you know i start i, I like volkswagens i like cars so the place that i would get some volkswagen stuff to uh parts and stuff i went over to him and it was like a, a neighborhood shop literally in a guy's backyard um so no like official sign but i mean the place did a shit ton of business man yeah, it was ridiculous. yeah. I mean, the county was always like on him about it being like borderline this is not zoned for that <laughs> exactly that type of zoning thing so uh so i, I was like hey man anytime it's Sorry, not windy america <laughs> exactly <laughs> i was like anytime it's not windy uh i'll come work for you it'll work so i did that for like five years so that's how you got the skills to more skills to work on the cars yeah because he was constantly doing repair work and then always had a restoration of some sort going um and then you know you were they were yeah he was like He's he he had been he'd been in Severna Park for like forty years, like doing Volkswagen stuff. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. So I learned a lot from him. That was a guy named Joe, VW Joe. I remember you let me drive your VW that one time mm. down here, and I had only the closest thing I had ever done was the Jeep Willys. <laughs> it has that same like you know you got to really give it the accelerator. Yeah, and, it's all you know, mechanical. All yeah, 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 they're fun. You got to get fun. used to them, but they're definitely fun. Yeah. So that's the uh, so it's always been. You know, just I, I want to do certain things, and I, you know, you only have so much time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, time right? is, Talk about getting as as we get older, you start to really realize like you have these sections in your life where you can essentially like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna just go out and I'm gonna just follow that and do that. 
And then, you know, things sort of change. I guess you could wrap it up just saying, like, priorities change. Yeah. And needs, change. I guess, in, in life, you know. I think I get a little bored, too. Well, oh, hey, you're talking preaching you know the choir I mean? on that Or one. you've learned, or or the... Uh, or the or the veil like the the uh, the veil has been lifted. So like you're in finance for a while and you're feeling like you know you are you're helping people. That's your goal. That's what you want to do. Yeah. But now you look back and you remember that. Wow. You know my manager made a hell of a lot more money than I. Did. <laughs> and uh, basically they they always had these products that they were bringing to us. You know we they get to the hotel and they tell us about these new products. These and and basically then you know it was always supposed to be needs based selling but yet we had a quota on this stuff to try to sell this and they really rewarded the people that sold it and it was just it seemed like you know it's not really yeah yeah right the part of finance i was in wasn't really i, I don't think the you know i mean i always did it right by my clients it didn't add up mm. in the end in the sense of you know why you know just compensation and you know people sitting in uh, you know management management you know that type of thing but uh i, I think i'm i'm glad to have done very different things, I guess, over there. Well, it keeps things interesting for sure. I mean, you know, I, I've been always sort of water sports or, or yacht industry based right. ever since I was 20, ever since I was like 19 or 20. But um, it's always way different. It's everything from yacht deliveries to teaching sailing to running sailing schools right. to, well, I mean, now speaking and telling, you know, stories and, and all that sort of stuff about various trips and things and i don't know i that keeps it interesting for me because i i get i used to love going to a water sports center that we were trying to sort of do a big facelift on rebuild everything redo everything fix all the boats come up with a new lesson plan but then once you got it going you'd spend another season just making sure that those changes you made stuck oh after that i was typically like okay i gotta go somewhere else because that 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 Year after year, grind of the same exact thing, wash, rinse, and repeat. Right. I don't know. I just always kind of get to a point where I need to do something new just to keep that. I don't know. I, I, it's almost like the nervousness of like, ooh, man, this is a new challenge. I haven't done that. I'm going to have to sort of fake it till I make it. Even though that's an uncomfortable feeling, it also seems to produce a pretty good feeling in the end and during, you know. Right. After the initial fear kind of subsides, which it always does, once you once you get the ball rolling. My initial fear um, after I stopped teaching kiteboarding, like when I made the decision, I was like, I I, I made the decision. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go look for another job. Opened up Spin Sheet Magazine, which like is a local sailing thing here, because I still wanted to be associated with the water, you know, because it, yeah, it gets really it, it gets its hooks in. You. It does. My folks are to the be able to, to be able to, <laughs> I know. So to be able to look out to see the water as I don't know, it's just something for me. So anyway, so uh, you know, I saw an advertisement for uh, like managing uh, this these two sailboats in Annapolis, like being on a team of people that manage these two large schooners, and so um, I applied. And it hadn't been a position that had been open. Like the guy had been there for five years before me. Yeah. And before that, it was like somebody had been there for like five or ten years before that. So it wasn't even like the position had ever like had a long slew of you know people that had been through it. Yeah. But it was kind of interesting. And my my first concern was I, I as like if I want to get back anywhere, I got to prove to somebody I can work a forty hour work week because yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm been right. a kiteboard instructor I've for the last a little eight years. All over the You've place. You've been doing what, sir? Kiteboarding, <laughs> man, for eight years. <laughs> Board sports every day. And um, I could ride a board though, man. Let me tell you. And uh, anyway, so he, uh, 
so I got the job, man. It was it was a lot harder and more difficult than I thought. But it was like you know you're managing people, you're trying, you know, you're provisioning sailboats, you're um, working on a with a team of people that are have much more sailing experience than I did. I've always been water sports oriented, but you know I was always on on a Hobie Cat or a yeah, Sunfish yeah, or the Ensign. Yeah. You know small I can handle any boats, of those little yeah. small fun little boats. You know, <laughs> winch is this small, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so I just had I'd minimal sailing. You know that kind of exposure. But now you're like I was managing, helping manage the operation. That was something in my realm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then um, I found out. You know you my position also meant on the winners you had to work on the boats so i was like hey tinkering on something that's cool to I me like so uh, you know so every winter i got off the dock managing the boats off the dock and working with them and then you know then you're in the winter you're in the yard in the tent uh you know doing woodwork most of it was woodworking repair refinishing the because you know you got ten thousand people Varnish. <laughs> yeah bristol finishes bristol you know bristol finishes oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all grip <laughs> matterhorn white mm-hmm. and uh so a lot of that a lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of roll and tip you know, yeah. you know painting oh, yeah, and that type yeah, of yeah. stuff and then uh figuring out how to do non-skid with play you know play sand um, you know, cutlass bearings, um, uh, you know, just, you know, just keep maintaining those boats. And that was cool. And then, um, but five years of that, and my, a lot of it was customer service related. Yeah. A lot of it was convincing people on a rainy day, you still need to go sailing. You, you Our tickets would, are non-refundable, not exchange. You want to do it. Right. You need to go. This is part of sailing. Yeah. People sail in the rain. <laughs> I know you're in Alexandria, Virginia. It's two and a half hours away and you got a 70-year-old woman with you. But I think I'm not giving you a refund. You need to come and go sailing. It's not <laughs> raining here in Annapolis. It's not It's not raining here in Annapolis. Anyway, so. I don't have a raincoat. <laughs> bring your rain gear. It's fun. It's liquid sunshine. So after five years of that, I was like, I gotta find something different. You get burned out, man. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how. I mean, that's like half yeah. half uh, yard work. The other half customer service, like hospitality. Oh, it was definitely hospitality. Yeah. We were based in a hotel, so it was hospitality. I, I sat in hotel. I sat on the weekly staff meetings at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was considered one of the management of the hotel, even you though we were an outside operator. Read your evals <laughs> and your guest comment cards. Oh, and yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. We, we had thousands of comment cards. Every yeah, and we turned in comment cards for every sale, and that had to be logged in. I mean, this was, yeah, and it was right. it was this office that I was in was the size of that van probably, and it was mm-hmm. like on the dock underneath a set of stairs. It was a strange situation. Anyway. Yeah. When I figured I needed to move on from there, um, I was like, maybe I can just work on boats. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. You a already got the experience now. A little. Not as I thought I had a lot of experience. But no, it's just the tip of the iceberg. So yeah. or the tip of the boat. The bow of the boat. Um so well, I saw those were wooden boats, right? Those are wooden. Yeah, those are wooden boats. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole um, whole realm in in a. Yeah. They got a nice thin layer of fiberglass over the over yeah, the, the but, like but the outer shell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, so it came full circle that I saw one of my kiteboarding students in the yard, and he owned one of the uh, one of the uh, companies in the yard. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Are you looking for any help?" <laughs> ah. I was thinking of changing my career path. Oh, oh Bill, uh, what, do, what do you know how to do? <laughs> he's got like a South African accent, and he ends. Uh, we chat for a little bit, and he's like, "Oh, come by and you know, get an interview." And so I came. I came over. I did an interview, um, and uh, so now it's four years later. Wow! It'll be four years in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I've been grinding every day, working on sailboats and sailboats things usually like over 40 feet easily 40 to 60 feet let's say sailboats and then same thing in large like power boats mainly people that are leaving to go someplace like we're trying to we're trying to prepare people to be offshore 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go down to the Bahamas for or the Caribbean for the for the winter time. Come mm-hmm. back up, or um, we're gonna. A couple people. It's, we're sailing around the world. We're gone. We're gone for the next six months. They'll go in groups, I guess. You know, there's like you know, bunch of flotillas, flotillas, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had one group left on that great Canadian couple. Um, they did so much work on their highlands, um, and it just, so that's kind of neat. You know, Steve's a big, the, our owner's very big, big picture, big dreamer kind of guy. Wants to help you. What we're doing was fulfill, fulfilling people's dreams and fantasies of what they want to do. Because this is yeah. a lot of time, a once in a lifetime project for these people. Right. Um, you know, we set up the small boat, probably like a thirty-two foot, little thirty-two foot Bristol, thirty-one. Yeah, uh, it was a Bristol. Yeah, and it was around your size because I talked to the guy about you. Um, and he's like 70, Mr. Mr. Mullins <laughs> and Mr. Mullins, um, he wanted to just, he wanted to be able to sail over to the uh, Bermuda, but oh, you know, okay, like, yeah. so we had to completely outfit this little thing with, you know, proper safety gear. And, uh, you know, we had to give him a new gimbal stove and then we had, I had to install a little water heater for him, even though he didn't have a shower in the boat. So it would be a hot water deck shower. That's uh. how small the boat was. I mean, no shower, right? Yeah, oh, I don't have a shower. You don't have a shower, right? Yeah. Okay, so right. Okay, so it is. A, I have a he, gallon. Jug. Do you have a hot water heater? No. Oh yeah, had, I used to. I, yeah, I got pulled rid of out. It. Yeah, yeah, so he put he had me pull one of those in. But there was a shite ton of work done on this boat, man. And Just he, to get did him he make out, it there. out there. I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't ask. I saw him around when he was going. You know, when he was before he's left. But I don't know if he actually he actually made it on the trip. I don't know if he could. I mean, oh, I'm sure he could. Uh, well, I, I met the person. Oh right! I right, want right. him yeah, to. Yeah, I yeah. want him right, to. Right, right, right. But just you know, it's I climb in and out of boats all day. It's when it's seventy years old, and a, major, a lot of these guys are older. If you're not climbing, if you're not really moving a lot before you are on a boat, yeah, you know I mean? it might be tough to get around on a boat and get stuff done. That is uh, a fact that really came home to me after this last trip because uh, I hurt my back and ended up having like a pinched sciatic nerve, all that sort of stuff, and couldn't stand up straight while you were out there. Um, it didn't start to really hurt me until I got back, but then after a certain amount of months on land, it just got worse and worse to the, you know, I couldn't, uh, a walk of 200 yards was pretty painful Right. and, uh, eventually ended up, um, going to a chiropractor. But before that I had to take the boat from Buford, South Carolina to Beaufort, North Carolina, it was like a five-day offshore trip or something like that because I went out and then I went up and um, yeah, I mean, everything you have to do on that boat hurts. It's painful. I and I, you know, it gave me a lot of perspective. Not so much of doing it in old age, I suppose, but also more more of like being out there, you know, trying to sail across an ocean and getting injured and then right. having to because you're 100 percent committed when you go offshore. So. Right. It's not really you're in it. You can't like call and be like, "Hey, right, come pick me up." I mean, I suppose you could, but you know, if you want to save that, you can't do you'd that. Want, yeah. You want to save that for a real. A real I don't think solo there. sailors have a whole lot of business doing that. One hundred percent. That's up to each individual, right? Just because I don't know, I've always you got to take into account that if somebody has to come out there and get you, they're risking their lives to do that. And of it's course, not really fair to. If you're going to go and put yourself in that situation, you better figure out a way to get back. That is a conversation that I had with every kiteboarding student. You need an entrance, oh, yeah. entrance, entrance strategy and an exit strategy. Yeah. Because yeah. most likely you might not, a good chance, in the first couple of years, you're not ending up. I mean, I thought I was going to be the guy that found a dead body at one point because it's like you ended up so far downwind at times. <laughs> you had to walk back. I mean, always wear booties <laughs> because you never know when you're walking back from it. Yeah, true, I mean, true. Now, now I'm good enough that, you know, I, I know 
something's really got to go wrong for me to end up downwind. Well, I'll, but has it, it could happen to you though. Where you have you ever had to do an emergency pack down like oh yeah, you know, half oh. a mile out and then oh paddle it back. I, in? Well, that scared the crap out of me. Really? Then, yeah, it kept me off the water. I would say for a good eight months. Oh really? Yeah, 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 it scared the crap out of me. Do tell. Oh yeah, so we were down in Florida, right, staying right um, oh, right on the beach, and that was uh, Fort Lauderdale, and there's a pier. <laughs> And it was a rainy day and it was blowing hard as snot, man. And I mm-hmm. went out <laughs> and I only had a twin tip. I didn't have my usual um, my, my usual um, directional surfboard. Yeah. And so uh, twin tip in, in surf kind of sucks. Um, Just because you, you can't like pop you, it over it It doesn't have the, it doesn't have, you can't ride waves in a twin tip very nicely. It doesn't. It's just not as nice. Yeah. And I didn't know I was going into like a surf set that was happening. I thought I was like, I was in an area where I got out past it. And then as I went downwind, I got um, more like they surf that pier right there. Uh, Like it's a nice break. And I had no business being in that break on a twin tip. And I got, I got smacked down, Uh released the kite, my friend's kite, Uh Uh, my board. I borrowed the, borrowed the 12 meter Uh and my safety let go too. Like, you know, there's one that flies out. There's three levels of of safety. There's let go of the bar. Yeah. Okay, fine. You're okay. Let go of the bar. Okay. It's getting worse. You break your chicken loop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now you just have one. Now now you have one line and that's your final one. Don't let go of that one unless you're willing to lose your kite. Mine let go. So this kite is now tumbling, you know, nice slingshot 12, you know, kite tumbling towards the pier. Like I see it. It's going towards the pier. And I'm I'm like 300 yards out, like far, and uh-huh. it, but it's like surf break into yeah, this corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just see the kite going, and I'm trying to swim and surf and is just surf my body, try to swim in as fast as I can. Heart is beating through my chest. I am not a good oh, swimmer. Matt, right? That is what I'm learning. Life at this jacket moment. on or no? Uh, impact vest. No, I had an impact vest and a lo- and just you know enough neoprene that I was going to stay floating, and you know your waist harness it always keeps you pretty buoyant. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and so. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to get in, trying to get in. I just see it going. All I can imagine is it getting tangled on something, whipping up and slamming into the pier. Yeah. And then for the rest of the week there, I'm where my family, I see my shred, my friend's shredded kite around, <laughs> wrapped around <laughs> that pier. And I was just like, oh, anyway, I'm swimming, I'm swimming, I'm swimming. I'm, I mean, this is like five, six minutes to get in. And it's getting closer and then it's further and it's going and tumbling, and then it's pump it up, and so it's like a lot of drama as it's going into this corner, and uh-huh. I think it's going to hit the pier, and I get in, and I get in, and I get in, and I finally see it. It hits the beach, it goes right into the corner of the beach, right next to the piling, and a guy's there watching. He just takes it and he flips it over. Oh no way! And then wow. I finally swim in like three or four minutes later because yeah. it's still on that far out, and. Um, and I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack, really. Yeah. Barely can breathe. Like, hyperventing a little bit. Hyperventing. Probably the most strenuous swim I've had in my yeah, life yeah, in yeah. a long, long time. Like, seriously. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go. I was like, oh, my God, man. Thank you. You know, out of breath, thanking this guy. Friday, I was like, can I use your phone to call my wife? So she can come pick me up. <laughs> I need to talk to my wife. I'll just call her. So I was like, Jen. Because I told her that I was going to go around that pier and I'll meet her down at the other end. Oh, right. And so yeah, yeah. I was like, look for me to get around the pier and then I'm doing a downwinder and I was supposed to be able to stay far up and around where the real surf break was. And I got caught in it and yeah, on the twin yeah, tip, yeah. and I just got tumbled and it just it bad happens, things man. happen. Right. So yeah. that was that 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 humbled me a little bit thinking that because I haven't been, you know, now it's I'm not a kiteboard instructor for five, six uh, since 2014 because uh-huh. I did 2008. Almost 10 years. Right. 2008 to 2014. 16. Yeah. 
what year? Yeah, so something like that. I yeah, know, yeah, 2000, yeah. <laughs> 2015, I think. Right, I started, to, I worked for the sailboats, and then 2020, I'm working I'm where I'm now. So, yeah, so like that. So, yeah, you know, just you're off your game some. Well, but anything can happen. The, anything the can happen thing is, is the thing. Equipment is, failure can happen. Equipment failure can happen. All that kind of stuff. So I got lucky. I got really, I got really lucky in that aspect because, but, but I didn't have my exit strategy was not good. I just, I didn't make it around that pier. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can only have so many like tiers of safety, so to speak, in any sort of plan. Right. And there's always there's some little bit of inherent risk in there. Luckily, nobody got hurt. Nothing happened. Well, Nothing was that's, broken. That's Everything was absolutely key. perfect. Yeah, Everything yeah. was good. The only thing that could have happened is basically me having a heart attack as I got onto the beach because I had swam so hard. <laughs> <laughs> we had some moron one year. He came off. He was working on one of the cruise ships that would come into North Sound, and he was kiting uh, in and amongst the mooring field, which most people do anyway, but... He got his kite wrapped up on one of our Rhodes 19 masts. Oh, man. And we watched as this thing literally sort of danced around and then it powered up. And it oh, yeah. it ripped that mast in half so quick. And so he's like, it was a, a matchstick. Yeah. And uh, we rescued him, got him in, and we were like, dude, hey, bro, sorry, but you, you destroyed our boat. Like, this is going to cost some money. Yeah. He was like, yeah, no worries. I'm working on the cruise ship. I'm going to go out there. I don't have anything on me. Right. He got on the cruise ship and they took off. Disappeared. Totally yeah, did. and we contacted the company and all that stuff, and they had said that essentially he jumped ship at the next port, and they've never heard from him again. And wow. that was a lesson for me. It was like, you know, we should have been like, well, we're going to hold on to your kite board and that sail and everything, right, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. can go out, but... Uh, your other option is to have somebody bring your wallet in here and right. you can pay for all these damages. Oh, but what a bummer. Yeah, that was kind of like, you know, just keep those life lessons from the mistakes, you know? Yeah, you learn a lot. That's how you learn mistakes, yeah, man. You definitely do. That's for right. Sure. So that humbled me for a bit, that experience. But that, and that's probably one of the worst thing that's, that's probably the worst thing that's happened. I mean, that's not too bad. Yeah, it was no, and nobody got hurt. Nothing happened there. I mean, there's been a lot of cuts and scrapes and stuff, but, you know, nothing, nothing really bad. I had a leading edge explode on me a ways out. Uh, and nobody, nobody really was watching to do right. any rescues or anything. Right. So I had to do the old roll it up and yep. tie it off, put it on the board, and then just swim in, swim it in, because I definitely was not wearing any sort of impact vest or anything. I never really wore those right. too often, at least when we were just doing it for fun, you know, North Sound and stuff. Right. I love just board shorts. Like the Bahamas is the best board shorts and board shorts that's all yeah no it's it's quite lovely yeah that was the best that was that was there were so many pros of getting to do it just just kite surfing and just you get a different vantage point we got i got i went to hawaii and went off and went off the shore of Kauai, off of uh, a a key anini beach or something i think it was called and it was uh it's just a different perspective you know it's like i'm looking back and you know my family's on the beach and they're enjoying the ocean but i i get off and i'm off i'm I'm in the ocean i look back and i'm seeing the island and it was so beautiful you know you're riding (laughs) along you're like oh my gosh you know and the the coral and the the shallow and they're you know they have very small narrow channels to get out and it's hard coral if you get out of that channel and waves over it so you would see rocks exposed and you also then you're like that's not a rock that's a sea turtle that's yeah, awesome yeah, yeah yeah so and then like being down in Abaco and chasing all the rays like there was just like this family and this I, I'd run a house for like four or five weeks and bring people would come through and I'd give them kiteboarding lessons and um and uh there was just like there's this family of rays like in this one channel that went back and so you every day you could kite and you would just see them all under there and you kite and they'd just go and they'd swim along scattering oh so beautiful so much fun man so 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 beautiful 
uh, be able to boost real high and then look down and that's the only time you see the sharks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good like, one. Whoa, that's yeah, a big one. Yeah, a Is big that a bull shark? Yeah. <laughs> I used to lie a little black, uh, black tip reef sharks and stuff. Nothing. I never really saw anything big down there. I uh, Yeah, I mean, we, we would typically have lemon sharks, nurse sharks oh, underneath sharks, the coral. Yeah. There was one time I was I took a few snorkelers over to Branson's Island and I'd say like an eight or ten foot I guess it was a bull shark, right? Like a real deal, huge shark swam past me, and I was frozen in yeah, fear. Yeah. I would—I didn't even want to look at it. I was like, "Oh my god, if I look, it's gonna look at me," and it just kept going. And I gathered up those snorkelers. I was like, "Time to go. We got—we had something around here." Actually, I don't think I even told him, but it was uh, go that way. Very unusual to see a shark like that. But I, I mean, right. these images of Shark Week just flashed in my head, and I was like, "Nah, time to go." Dad, last time I sco- went diving with my dad was in Abaco, um, and that's probably the last time he dove, and uh, that was probably 2013 or 14 or something like that, and uh, I had him down to that house that I had kite porters come down, so I had the house for like five weeks, mom and dad came down, and then my wife and kids came down with them, and they stayed for a while, um, and dad and I went out and did a dive trip, and we signed up for it, and nobody else signed up. So it was just me and my dad. Oh, just nice. me and my dad on a dive boat with uh, the, the captain, the dive instructor, or whatever. And so, um, and my dad had been diving forever, and um, I'm certain you see all my cool patches up there. From Super my cool patches. Yeah, yeah, dad, I was really into it. That's a lot. I was really, I would be a dive instructor. Um, yeah, real yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so it was. Uh, that's the next move. No, nah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, but so we're diving with this guy, and he takes us down. It was like a private trip, it was great. He, he's like just knocking on something like making a noise underwater big it's like big ass shark comes like yeah bigger, oh yeah like 14 foot shark dude. Yeah. he can just call it out and it then he scary. and then the other cool thing was that he brought like some cat food or something in like a little container uh, and there was a grouper and so like man he had this group you'd be hugging the grouper petting the grouper feeding the grouper like it was a puppy little, little, little puppy dog little puppy dog in the sea <laughs> man or something. It, was very, it, was very, it was very cool bite your arm off those things will uh, won't they i love those adventures man yeah yeah yeah, they are a lot of fun. We we got yeah. to do a decent amount of diving down there. Um, obviously, we had the um, Sun Chaser Scuba right there at Bitter End. That's Shout awesome. out Ben and Kay, right. best dive instructors in the Caribbean. That is sweet. Crying out loud, they're great. But uh, yeah, we would so you know fun. being staff, you sort of get to just hop on. And sometimes they would do just staff events where they'd be like, "Hey, we're gonna go out to the Invisibles tonight. Let's do." I always love night dives. Those were pretty cool. I've only did those a few times. Oh, I did them in man. Walloon. I had to do a training dive in Walloon uh, because remember, my, wait, I don't know if you remember back. We used to bring a guy around with us named Frank Giles, who was a dive instructor, uh, and so he would just cert. He would cert. He would certify. We, we'd anybody. bring him to Walloon for the like a couple of weeks, and he'd cert us, certify us. For yeah, yeah, things, yeah. Right? We'd uh-huh. all be diving off of Gam's dock one night. Uh, it was a, you. It'd probably be pretty impressive to go up there now because the water's so, so clear. clear now. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's a, I, there was a, I had to replace all the chains in the mooring field this summer, so I had to rent some dive gear okay. and uh, some little small shop in East Jordan. But they do. I I got chatting with the guy, and he does a lot of like wreck dives oh, yeah. and all that. And I was like, man, sometime in the future when I have some time, we got to do a podcast. I got to hear all thick about wetsuits. it. Oh my gosh, yeah. But like yeah. really cool stuff yeah. too. I'm sure. I mean, I, I sort of was like, You got any treasure stories? And he kinda looked at me and I was like, Oh, he definitely does. He's That'd got, be cool. He's in the know. That'd be cool. Yeah, there's a lot of sunken stuff up there. I'm gonna learn about it in this book. That's sweet. Mm. Have you gotten a foil at all? 
No, I have not. Because um, that's now what kiting is. Now now it's not even kiting. People are supposedly into winging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know. tried that, and I don't like it. You know, it's, much. it's one of those things where I, I think that is a little more, it's a, it's a little, at least the learning curve of it, it's going to be pretty steep. Like you just hop on a couple of crashes or whatever, and then you're, you're up and going because you're holding on to it. You, the kite skills yeah. aren't really there. You're just no, holding it's on no to kite something. skills. Right. Yeah. Right. It's no kite skills. I think it's, I, I, I didn't, I did, I, I've really tried to do it over the last couple of years and I haven't got to go enough. And I was starting to get bummed out that every basically time that I was going to kite, I was trying to learn that, not enjoying my time of yeah, doing what yeah, I really yeah. wanted to do, which is kiting. And I love kiting. So, like, I'm set, like I'd am like i bought a 90-liter board, and I had a couple wings, like the wings and the foils I, I, that I already kite with. And so, like, I'm selling that board, and I'm just going to focus on that stupid, this stupid thing, and just it, which would be like it's a pocket board on a kite foil. I'm just going to – I always like kites, man. Why am I trying to wing? Yeah, yeah. So, hey, you know, so like even last like. weekend, so last weekend I just focused on kiting, went out on kited, and I had a great time. And I gave my board to my friend. And I was like, "Will you please sell this?" <laughs> <laughs> he owns a he owns a wing. He owns a surf shop here in Annapolis. And I was like, "You just will you sell this, please?" Well, hey, I mean, I was like, I, "Yes, I will." I learned how to kite and do all that sort of stuff. If I had the choice between that and a windsurfer, I'd take a windsurfer. Every so you time. like windsurfing? Love windsurfing. That's cool. Yeah, but the only problem is windsurfing tweaks my knee a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, like, I used to be able to go out for a couple hours at a time. Now I'll do it for maybe 30 minutes. Oh. And just stop well before You need to put a to foil on the windsurfer. I know. They do that. And we have it down the shop right in Annapolis. Yeah, I know. Hey, if, if it's well, windy, I can, get you a, I can get you a rig. I know. It, it would be a lot of fun. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. Because you know what? That's the thing. Like, I was out on Saturday last week, and it was twin tip, and in twin tip, and on a 136 board, um and a 12 meter kite the same kite <laughs> the same kite i talked same about before kite. it's still a good kite <laughs> no diameter to it uh and then so um that was perfect it was a good time and but it chopped the hell out of my knees because it was three foot like rollers with chop yeah, it's yeah, bay. yeah. yeah. and then the next day i went out on this uh, on a foil and it was like you get up and it's silence and it's just easy you don't feel it's it different it's, yeah. oh it's so it's like yeah so yeah it's like a magic carpet ride cloud type of situation so um i felt i felt good i felt rejuvenated about kiting because i'm gonna not try to wing i'm gonna kite yeah and i'm gonna continue to do that like when i showed up and we saw the old guys at dewey beach these guys were 60 and 70 years old when i was learning to kite uh-huh. oh, wow. <laughs> and i think they're still around yeah, yeah, right? still out there <laughs> they're like, still out there yeah, they look pretty good yeah man there's well, I think, you know, you keep, once you get your skills up, I mean, you know, in the beginning of all those sports, it's all brute force and trying right. to like figure it out. But then once you get it, it's all finesse. So. Right. And so you can do this into, I want to do this into my, that's, that's my long-term goals, be able to do that another 20 years, man. Yeah. So as you don't hurt Chase yourself. Chase the wind another then, 20 years, yeah, you know, and you just have to start do it out, out of this at some point. That's the, ch- that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, looking at this, there's a van that's uh, turned 90 degrees on, would you call it a gimbal? They call it a rotisserie. A rotisserie. Yeah, you could put a couple chickens on it. Did you have to chickens. buy that? Or is I it, did buy that. Yeah. You did buy that. Yeah. Wow. And then I'll be able to resell it, though. Yeah, I feel like you could put a boat on that, too. You could. Yeah, it's very handy. Like a Boston whaler. Easily. Yeah. 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 Huh. So that's my... I'll, I'll sell it. I think it was like 16 1900 bucks something around in there. Yeah, yeah. But it allowed me to completely rotate the van 90 degrees so I could build a sandblasting booth and sandblast the bottom of the van to get all the rust off. <laughs> And then, um, then I treated it with. Uh, it'll be a commercial for Pour Fifteen. Maybe you can get a sponsorship. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. like a special epoxy type of paint. 
it's not really an epoxy paint. Like people will get mad about that, but it is a you know like a rust process of you know certain kind of paint. Yeah, like yeah. anti-rust. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, got yeah, that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So supposedly it's good. Hey man, it'll last me the twenty years I need it, and then well, I don't care really what happens to it. I want to treat it like a farm implement to some extent, not like a showpiece. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, need yeah. want this thing to be able to go where I need to go, get it's my old fun. butt out onto the beach, have it look ugly so nobody wants to buy it or bother me about it. Yeah, uh, but it's four wheel drive van. It's not a big threat to get stolen. A, exactly or like that. But, I I learned that you know with guys uh, that have their dinghies like down in the Caribbean and stuff, they they'd keep them super messy. Right. Make the engine look hair, you know, terrible. Like sort of bang up the, the hood and everything, just to you know make it look pretty derelict. And they right. were always like, "Don't you know? I don't ever don't have clean nice stuff. this. I want it to look bad so people just pass right by." Right. And you know, I mean, to some extent, I Sparrow is not quite like that. She's still a good looking boat, but she's never been in like Bristol shape <laughs> uh, by any means. Is uh, Bristol more snooty? No, just oh, it's just, just, it's just no, Bristol. Yeah, I know. I well, it just sounds better saying it that way. Oh, okay, Bristol finish. Um, but you know, I I got the chance to be on a uh, a really nice West Sail I was telling you about, and that one it was, it was as beautiful as it was. It just I I felt a little kind of uncomfortable, um, just because I'm so used to Sparrow being this knock around, you know, right tough old boat you don't have to worry about the varnish or anything like that and then to hop on a boat that's so gorgeous you're just like ah, i don't even want i love i love stepping on those boats. i want to eat on the dock that's when i go get all my moving blankets and i coat yeah. the entire floor with moving blankets before i start working on that boat yeah see i mean i can drop a a big set of channel locks on the cabin sole on my boat and you probably wouldn't even know exactly where it dented it because there's a lot of dents in there from all the you know, knockdowns and all the stuff right. and, you know, everything. So there's a lot of scars, but she, I, I, what I really like to do is when I, whenever I do like a varnish job, I'll sand the wood. I don't sand all the scars out. I leave okay. them. All right. And I varnish over them. Okay. They tell a story. They tell a story. Yeah. There's nice. right in the companion way, you know, that's where I usually sit when I'm out there, protected by the Dodger. Of sure. Ford. And the two areas closest is beautiful wood. It's all varnished really thick, but. Right. It's varnished over where my hands wore away the old stuff and wore almost little divots in just because right. I was out there for so long, you know. And <laughs> where your talons of, had yeah, been. Yeah, when I look at it, I mean, it, yeah, if you didn't nice. know, you'd be like, man, somebody really didn't do a good job with this. Except that it's really shiny. It's very shiny. But then if they, you know, like, oh, that's where his, his hands were gripping on for <laughs> all, those, life. all those months. Holy oh, smokes. My gosh. That and all the sunscreen, you know. Sunscreen's pretty caustic to that stuff sometimes. I've done that where I do like a varnish job and then sure. I put a bunch of sunscreen on my back, lean up against it, and then it eats away the. I had to eat a pair of sunglasses away once. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've done that too. Got a new person. The sunglasses. little, the little rubber thing, you yeah, know, goes in your ear. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this has been fun, man. It has been fun. I'm glad I don't you talked to me how about many, uh... kiteboarding. Oh yeah, we're already past an hour. Believe it or not, isn't that crazy? Well, we can talk. Shut the front door. Yes. <laughs> it was good, man. I enjoy that. No, these are always fun, man. Like I said, I'm Sven. Shout out Sven, friend of the show. He loves he loves doing these podcasts, but he loves even more like when he gets a shout out. So, well, I, I gave him one too because without him, I wouldn't have. Gotten yeah, true. So true. literally, yeah, Sven yeah. kicked off a part of my life where I threw away being a financial advisor. <laughs> there, 
<laughs> became you a loser go. kiteboard instructor. <laughs> and that dude, that fits in with Sven's mantra of you know what you need to do. <laughs> and I did it. I, <laughs> I did the kiteboarding. Uh, right. And then uh, my daughter shares the same birth date, August third. Oh really? Yeah, so oh, I always think about it. I did not know that. And I wear his shirt from remember that you, I think it was the year he turned forty. His mom made all those shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very Feels. bizarre when I wear that shirt because people think it's a memorial. Oh really? Like oh god, rest his sweet soul. He's still alive. He's he's <laughs> fine. He's fine. He's, he's causing chaos. I always love you guys, man. Hanging out with him. Yeah. No. Hey. It's a, like I said, man. It's been it's been a lot of fun over all the years. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue some stuff on as well. And uh, yeah, we will. Yeah, We're you related. never know. I know, I know. You can't. That's the beauty of fr- See, all family. Funerals and weddings, and you can't choose the family. You can't get rid of them. That's right. There, we're stuck together. That's all right, good. Bill. Well, thank you for coming on, man. Thanks, you. See you later.